welcome to podcast 144 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And uh, this week's podcast is, um, well, it's all about Simon, and in particular, his <laughs> 10 top tips for saving cash during your summer holidays this year. So um, take it away, Simon. Number one, school's out. What I mean by that is, of course, as any parent with school-aged children will know, as soon as the school holidays begin, prices go through the roof. But if you are living in northern England or southern Scotland, then you can play the difference in the school holidays to your advantage. So um, at the start of July, when the schools in Scotland have all broken up, um, you can simply head south of the border to Newcastle, to Manchester Airport, and book a, a package holiday that uh, will be priced according to the English school holidays, which haven't yet started. And I've checked this, and you can save typically on a family for four, um, maybe a £1,000 by doing wow. that. And then you turn it round at the other end of the holiday. Um, so any time from mid-August onwards, if you happen to live in the northern part of England, if you're prepared to go to Glasgow or Edinburgh or maybe even Prestwick Airport, then you will be taking advantage of the same sorts of savings. Ah, that is interesting. And uh, have you actually extended your researches to, uh, well, I was going to say the rest of Europe, but of course I can't say that anymore, um, <laughs> to Europe? Because I did notice um, some years ago when I was uh, planning to go skiing that uh, there were various half terms uh, that I needed to avoid, which weren't just the English ones, but uh, French, Swiss, Belgian, German, and all of those things. And it really made a huge difference to um, uh, to availability and I think to prices. Yes. And they all do things a bit differently, but uh, certainly in France, the crucial February half term, which is of course um, when British people tend to want to go to the French Alps and uh, for the uh, half term just gone, I was seeing return flights on EasyJet for £1,336, not including luggage from Gatwick to Geneva. But yes, once you've found a flight, your problems are only just beginning. Um, the French tend to spread their half term over about five weeks. Now, they very sensibly want to reduce demand, but it does mean that all the way through from, well, pretty much the end of uh, January to the start of March, um, some group of French uh, school children are on holiday and an awful lot of them will be in the Alps um, crowding the slopes and taking up um, lots of the accommodation as well. But if we um, go back to the summer holiday, which is our main uh, uh, focus, uh, I wanted to ask you, is it cheaper to holiday here in the UK given what seem to be um, excessive prices um, at every turn? Uh, it all depends what you are doing. Certainly, you can find uh, in the summer a, some really good city centre um, budget hotel deals. I mean, typically, you know, as low as um, 25 or £30 pounds for a night in a perfectly plausible room in a city centre hotel. I've, I've done that quite a lot. And the idea is that, of course, while every single cottage by the coastline or in the Lake District is taken up, actually the city centres are quite empty. And as a result, 
Well, you can just base yourself there. You're going to have loads of choices for eating and drinking. And you can just go off on day trips to the uh, to the coast or indeed to the lakes, um, wherever you want to uh, head for. You will be able to do that. But the jury's out on whether you can have a holiday as cheaply in the UK as you can abroad, because it all depends what you mean by abroad. Certainly, if you're comparing it with the Baltic coast of um, uh, Poland, I would say that you're probably going to have um, a, a better uh, holiday for your money in Stettin than you will in Skegness. But um, uh, do let us know if you disagree. Number two, avoid the airport drop off. You will be aware that airports have gradually increased their drop-off charges. Gatwick and Heathrow have recently introduced them. And that is going to mean that whether it's uh, friends or family dropping you off at the airport or indeed your friendly local minicab company, it's going to cost you more. But there's so many occasions when you can just take the train instead. And if you've got a family and friends rail car, that's going to save you even more. So airports with good um, rail connections include on my list um, Manchester, Southampton, Birmingham, Gatwick, Heathrow, Stansted, um, Prestwick, second mention there, and now even Inverness Airport, because at the start of February, Inverness Airport got its own station. However, uh, I do need to point out that it's about um, a 12 minute walk from the station to the terminal and I've also noticed that some people who go on holiday take quite a lot of luggage with them. Yeah my uh, local airport as it were is Gatwick and I must say that um, despite your advice being very good about uh, uh, trains actually if you uh, go on a flight that leaves very early in the morning or and or gets back very late at night, which if you're trying to uh, save money on, um, let's say, EasyJet for the sake of argument, um, is likely to be the case. I find it cheaper and significantly more convenient to basically go by car and uh, leave it in the long stay car park. And if you book ahead, you can get some quite reasonable deals there, which if there's more than one of you uh, involved, will more than make up for the amount that it'll cost you to get by, uh, to go by train um, to and from London. And particularly, um, if you get back at midnight, you might find there's no train at all. Well, you're taking me back to when we had a terrible trip delayed on EasyJet from um, Toulouse, actually, back to Gatwick. And we sprinted from the North Terminal onto the shuttle, out of the, out of the shuttle, into the station, down to the platform, just in time to see the train go. And I think we had to sit around for about an hour and then catch an all stations to Streatham train. It was uh, pretty miserable. Well, it didn't actually even go to Streatham, if I remember rightly. I had to get out at East Croydon and then um, uh, sort of make my way through the grim underpasses to find a night bus. But anyway, enough of my woes. Number three, get a local SIM. Well, of course, you're talking telephones here. I am. And free roaming was um, one of those many things that uh, during the Brexit referendum, uh, we were told, oh, they're never going to get rid of that. And of course, guess what? Um, since we properly left the EU, um, most uh, mobile providers have come in and said, oh, yeah, we, we are going to in introduce a charge. So 
Um, and, and actually, if you're outside the EU in places such as Turkey and Egypt and Morocco, the roaming charges can be astronomical. But fortunately, getting a local SIM is the easiest thing going. If there's a group of you going, actually only one of you needs to um, uh, to, to get the oh, SIM and you can yeah. hot spot off that one and um yeah you basically just uh, these places i tend to go to the ones at the airports only because they uh have people who really you know fully understand that you've got to swap this over and uh they will they will generally swap the sim card for you that's very uh, useful um, yeah very handy and it kind of explain what your number is and so on so you will have a bizarre um turkish phone number which um uh, you can use obviously to call home. You you want have lots of gigabytes of, um, of 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 data as well as free calls and texts, and that is uh, going to save you a fortune. Yeah, but don't lose the old SIM card, which of course is um, <laughs> the size of a kind of um, fingernail clipping these days. So um, I don't know if you, I don't know if there's a special um, container for that, which um, will guarantee you don't lose it. But it would be useful. Yes, I, I, I tell you what, I use um, those free, generally plastic bags you get at airport security. You just pop it in there, um, usually with a big piece of paper saying SIM card. Saying SIM card, yeah. A bonus tip. Very good. Number four, avoid all inclusives. Unless, of course, you're on a cruise. Now, there are many, many rewards from exploring the hinterland for the hotel that you're staying in. You can go to the local market, stock up there. Um, Hotel staff, if you're not staying in an all-inclusive, can recommend the best places to eat and drink. And you're also uh, not going to be just caught up in this horrible industrialised catering on a massive scale in and all inclusive and however you kind the staff staff are however digestible the food is it's no no comparison with them going off campus and um uh, making uh, and making your own discoveries yes well i second that and uh, i have heard though that all inclusives have actually cut back on the dreadful buffet since covid for health reasons as much as anything else. Uh, Some of them did, yes, with people serving you stuff. Um, But I think we're now back in the, um, you know, everyone everyone for themselves as you fight your way through the the buffet. Um, And and in terms of drinks, of course, bear in mind if you are in an all-inclusive that, uh, well, I I sampled one in Egypt in uh, January, um, you will generally find that you finish one drink um, and then another one magically appears from a very good uh, waiter almost always is a, a male who is doing this partly because he knows that you need refreshing but partly of course because um, he is assuming i hope correctly that you will be um, uh, giving me a tip so it's not exactly a free beer Talking of which, I think you um, still owe me a couple from our um, splendid uh, recording in a hotel bar with uh, Gene McNeil when we talked about travel fact and travel fiction, which one was um, a more accurate depiction of a place. Uh, yes, and of course, you can uh, find that very easily on our archive. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. But I suppose that's a sub tip. It hasn't got a number, this one, which is that if somebody says, oh, they they have to rush away or they haven't got their credit card, um, they're almost certainly uh, making it up in order to get a, a free drink out of you. 
Anyway, let's sail onwards. Cruise control. This goes under the heading of you spent a lot of money on your trip and it would be a waste if you you didn't have a great experience. And of course, cruise ships create bottlenecks of sightseers. And this particularly is the case in uh, locations like uh, Venice, um, the Croatian coast, uh, particularly Dubrovnik, Palma in Mallorca and Athens in Greece. So when you're planning your activities always worth taking local advice on the days when passengers from cruise ships might pose a problem. You can also um, find it out for yourself online at um, cruisetimetables.com where they will say if you you put in the fact that you're going to be in Barcelona on a particular day, it will tell you how many mega ships are in. Number six, don't like Mondays. This is all about the fact that many museums and galleries close on Mondays, which will be detrimental to your trip if you've kind of assumed that they would be open, as indeed in the UK, uh, most museums are seven days a week, all the big hitters at least. So do check in advance. Yeah, there's often a difference between state museums, state-run museums and private museums, which mean that you can visit the private ones uh, on a Monday, but for the state ones, you've got to wait for the Tuesday. So it is just worth bearing that in mind. Um, And also, of course, restaurants um, surprisingly have days off. I mean, even during peak holiday seasons, they're actually required to do so, which I think is a good thing, really. Uh, And uh, for example, in Spain, they actually need to have a day off for the staff. And uh, that can vary across the week. I mean, it doesn't tend to be at weekends, obviously. But again, um, uh, worth checking if you sort of thought that you might go to that amazing um, uh, paella restaurant on Wednesday. It might just be worth checking whether or not that isn't its uh, day off. And of course, well worth um, making sure that you are taking advantage of any free admission that there is, um, particularly museums in Paris, for instance, uh, will often on the first Sunday of the month have free admission. That can save you a small fortune. And others, charmingly, in various parts of the world, if it's your birthday, they will let you in for nothing. And if you happen to be called Isabella or Isabel, then the marvellous Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts, will let you in any day of the week. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, I actually found recently when I went to Bruges, which you could call one big museum, but which actually, of course, has loads and loads of uh, museums, many of them uh, state run, that you could actually buy a Bruges, a Brugge uh, museum card, which would allow you to get into about eight or maybe 10 uh, different really interesting places uh, for, I think it was 32 euros, which seems a lot at the time. But when you realise that uh, each one of those places is at the very least eight euros and could be 12, then um, it's quite a good deal. Uh, Thank you very much for that reminder. Always, though, work out um, what the charges are and how much the card costs, because otherwise you'll end up going to, I don't know, the washing machine museum, (laughs) not because you've got any interest in it, but just because otherwise you would be down on the deal. Number seven, holiday money. Don't give yours away. 
very sadly, Mick, many people do. They simply do not um, observe the first rule of changing money, which is never, ever do so in a British airport. And indeed, um, don't bother shopping around. They might have saved, you know, gone to enormous lengths to save 20 quid on the cost of the holiday, and they can squander all that with a single currency transaction. Well, I actually use the services, very useful ones, of Martin Lewis's website, Money Saving Expert, to um, try and find the best rate for, let's say, the euro in my immediate locality. And you can decide how far you're prepared to uh, cycle to get your money or indeed whether you want to have it delivered. But it really does make quite a significant difference. And it still is extremely useful to have cash with you everywhere. Yes, um, particularly the more remote places you go, the, the better it is to have cash. Um, and in pretty much anywhere outside Europe, having um, just US dollar, single dollar notes uh, solves very often a tipping issue. Um, and uh, they are generally generally appreciated. But the best currency experience I've ever had happened to me just three days ago. I needed to get a large number of euros for a forthcoming trip, which um, uh, where everything has to be paid in cash on arrival. Um, so I um, had a look at what I could see the rates were. And the best one was most definitely from an organisation called Currency Online Group in, would you believe, Waterloo Station, busiest railway station in Britain. So um they said, and this sounded very, very, um, well, questionable. They said, send us um, a tra- bank transfer. And so I got to the outside of the office and I thought, okay, this does look legit. Is, is that I- by platform nine by any chance no it's opposite platform 20 and uh, platforms ah, 20 to one. 24 and you <laughs> go into scott house which is actually part of the fabric of waterloo station but somewhere i'd never been before you go up a couple of flights of stairs and you go into a, a shared office space one of these very trendy hipster places oh. where you sit and drink green yunnan tea <laughs> Um, and the uh, receptionist will say, yeah, go and help yourself. Here's the uh, Wi-Fi login, help yourself to tea. We'll get somebody down. They come along and you go to their office where indeed um, they have received your money and they do count out very, very uh, diligently um, the euros you've been offered at a better rate than uh, I, I I could find anywhere else. And it's a really good experience in its own right. So if you do want to try that out, it's the... Uh, currency online group in waterloo station the other thing of course if you're playing with playing with plastic please don't just use your ordinary card you will end up paying typically three percent of every transaction so go with the um halifax clarity credit yeah, card yeah. um, which is the easy way to do it um alternatively if you want to be more sophisticated and get a better rate still then um revolut and starling are good products to use and there is another thing to watch, which is if you're paying, particularly in a uh, um, a touristy destination with one of these cards, sometimes the um, restaurant will bill you in pounds without asking you. Um, and in fact, uh, what you want to be billed in is local currency because it does make a difference. 
It certainly does. This is dy- dynamic currency conversion, it's called. It sounds like a really good, useful thing. Oh, you'll know exactly how much you've paid in pounds. Well, yes, but you'll also be losing a good 5% yeah. on the exchange rate, which will be going into the pocket of, well, the, the bank that's helping with this and also the uh, the business the, the, that you are um, spending money in. So always pay in local currency. Um, otherwise, well, I'm afraid you're just paying more than you need to. Number eight, ditch the rental car. Not literally, of course. Um, And Mick, I think this might be a little controversial with you because I know that you enjoy renting cars on holiday. But a survey this week from which magazine says that the cost of car hire compared with pre-COVID has gone up typically by £100 a week. And in places like the US, um, Italy, the Balearic Islands, it's more than doubled. Good heavens, even the Balearic Islands, because I went to Mallorca quite recently, what, four, five months ago, um, and uh, I thought the uh, cost of the car was um, very reasonable, but it was out of season, which probably made a difference. Um, and I must say, I probably could have managed without one. But uh, earlier on in the year, um, we went to um, Tenerife and I thought that uh, uh, not having a car there um, would have been incredibly difficult because there's next to no public transport and uh, we would have um, spent a fortune in um, in taxis um, and that was partly because we'd chosen to go and stay somewhere off grid up in the mountains so I suppose the two things went together. Yes and if you're in somewhere like Mallorca um, there are actually really good buses at really low fares because it's an incredibly rich island because of all the tourism and they use that to subsidise public transport which of course you are able to avail of and there's even in Tenerife if you're in if you're traveling for instance between Playa Las Americas big resort in the south and the beautiful capital Santa Cruz then there are regular buses and they cost about five euros so uh, less than the cost of the petrol for, for getting to the other end of the island. Number nine two great cities for the price of one and we're back to Spain for this one because there's some really good airfares to Madrid. It's not a particularly holiday destination. And so therefore, even when there's huge demand um, and high fares for places like uh, Malaga and Alicante, you can get to Madrid and back pretty cheaply. And then using the superb um, rail the network that the Spanish have have built up in half a century, they've gone from worst in Europe to best. Uh, you can. Very... There's hope for us yet. Then <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't uh, wouldn't, wouldn't um, hold your breath, Nick. <laughs> Um, you can combine the capital Madrid with one of um, well Barcelona, Valencia, Malaga. Um, it's very very easy and cheap to get a so-called open jaw and i guess the optimum one is just madrid and barcelona because there's four competing companies on the uh, high speed rail route and so therefore you can find a ticket for just 10 euros and you're having um two great uh, city breaks and uh, you're effectively getting one of them free it's a uh, uh, well worth considering. I just wonder if you could uh, take the idea of, I suppose, mix and match uh, to another level. And I was just um, wondering about a journey to 
Bilbao, also in Spain, of course, um, possibly by ferry to try mm. and avoid uh, flying, but I haven't looked at the costs yet. And then getting the narrow gauge railway across the top or along the uh, north coast of Spain, which looks absolutely fantastic, mm. and uh, po- and stopping off at uh, a couple of villages and maybe a uh, seaside uh, resort on the way, and then uh, ending up in La Coruña or possibly mm. Santiago, and then probably having to fly back from there. But uh, if you do that sort of thing, I presume it actually gets quite expensive, doesn't it? Uh, well, luckily, the the amazing narrow gauge lines which run across the north of Spain. Um, are actually very, very low cost as well. And you can get to them certainly by sailing to uh, Santander or Bilbao, um, but even better, get the train, so Eurostar to Paris, and then from there down to Ondai oh. uh, on the French-Spanish border. And then you just uh, literally walk out of Ondai station, turn right, and there is the waiting um, Spanish narrow-gauge train to take you to uh, San Sebastian, and you can just hop from one to the other, and uh, the cost of travel is very low. And as you say, once you get to the far end, to Santiago de Compostela, lots of flights coming back, and uh, you'll also that way avoid air passenger duty of thirteen pounds. So all very very good. good, and that has the advantage of a potential night in San Sebastian and the best meal ever at one of the uh, very many um, excellent restaurants there. Uh, certainly, yes, best meal ever. Uh, contender is definitely san sebastian but well for the final point will you actually get there number 10 passport check of course it would be terrible to set up this wonderful trip for the summer and then discover that you can't go and please as soon as the podcast is over and it will be in just a moment check the issue date and the expiry date of your passport, your partner's and your family's passports, um, particularly those annoying kids because they run out um, much quicker than adult passports. And let me just remind you what the rules are for travelling to Europe so that you can check your passports against that. Your passport on the day you travel must not have been uh, over 10 years old And on the day you intend to come back, the expiry date, as printed in the passport, must be at least three months away. Three Um, months? Good heavens above. Yeah, I I hadn't realised that. Yes, and this is another Brexit benefit. Uh, We asked in the Brexit withdrawal agreement to be treated as third country citizens with all the disadvantages um, that go with that, and the EU duly obliged. <laughs> um, I wonder if I could just add a, a postscript here, which is um, it's worth going to the trouble of getting your, is it EHIC, the European Health Insurance Card? Because despite Brexit, I think if you've got one of those um, current, it still can be used. Uh, Yes, and you can also use a global health insurance card, which is notable as the post-Brexit UK version, um, which has a union flag on it, can you believe? And it is actually 
significantly yes less useful than the um, EHIC used to be um, in the manner of uh, many of the uh, Brexit surprises we've had. So it, the, your EHIC, if it's still valid, that's perfectly usable. The GHIC um, you can apply for if you want to. Um, what's worse than before is that it used to be the EU plus um, all the kind of Schengen area hangers on. Now it's just the EU plus uh, Switzerland. Um, but that will get you um, health treatment at a reasonable price. And indeed, um, travel insurers will often ins insist that you have um, uh, your EHIC or your GHIC because that will save them money if you um, sadly need to have um, health treatment. Well, that's uh, the 10 top tips for summer holidays 23 thank you very much simon i found that uh, useful and i hope uh, i hope all um listeners uh, will have done so as well but if you have any comments on any of that then of course do get in touch with us uh, uh, twitter at uh, you should have bt and of course you can leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and please do let us know what you think are the uh, uh, most valuable money saving and holiday enhancing tips that you have we look forward very much indeed to hearing from you anyway thank you for listening and from me simon calder and me mick webb goodbye goodbye <laughs>